Welcome to another edition of the Hidden Layers podcast, where we talk about all the exciting ways marketing, data, and deep learning are colliding. Today, we're thrilled to have Grant Farhall, Chief Product Officer for Getty Images. As CPO, Grant is responsible for Getty Images' overall product strategy and vision. He oversees the company's e-commerce platform and its websites, its user experiences, its customer research, and its SEO strategy. Grant's goal is to make it easier for Getty Images customers to discover and use its powerful content to connect with their audiences. Prior to Getty, Grant worked in broadcast journalism and as a studio manager for several advertising and web development agencies. He has many interests, including calling the play-by-play for the Calgary Roughnecks of the National Lacrosse League in Canada. And he also loves driving the back roads of Western Canada to photograph abandoned buildings. Welcome to Hidden Layers, Grant. Thanks, Jeremy. It's uh, awesome to be on the show. So we were just talking a little bit about this in the beginning, but I think it would be interesting for all of our listeners to hear a little bit of the difference between uh, Canadian lacrosse and American lacrosse, because I know a lot of our listeners have either played it or have kids playing it here in the United States. Yeah, so Canadian lacrosse is is box lacrosse, we call it, which means that the game is played within what you would think of as a almost like a hockey rink, obviously not on ice. That would be be really hard, but it's more the dimensions of a hockey arena, whereas field lacrosse, which a lot of your listeners in the U.S. would be familiar with, is played on a field, a really big field, lots of running. So it's it's a little bit different, but still the, the core skills apply, stick handling, you know, general sense and the ability to shoot the ball really hard. <laughs> so so would you say that Canadian lacrosse players are better at shooting, passing, ball handling, things like that than their American counterparts? I would not say that exactly, but what's interesting <laughs> is in Canada, there, we actually have two official sports. A lot of people assume that hockey is our official sport. We have two. The official summer sport is lacrosse and the official winter sport is is hockey. But a lot of kids growing up that play hockey also play lacrosse during the summer because it refines their their stick handling skills. Obviously, their cardiovascular is is hugely impacted and so on and so forth. So it it really does have a lot of parallels with hockey. So I I would say that, you know, Canadians aren't better at it. It's just a bit of a different game. And how how did you get? to be the play-by-play caller for the Roughnecks. You'll love this, Jeremy, because it actually started with a podcast. So when I was in broadcasting, I, w- I really wanted to get into sports broadcasting. And Calgary, the number one team here is the Flames in the NHL. But the, the coverage of hockey is is saturated. You know, it's really hard to break into that part of the profession. So I thought, well, what's a, what's a sport that doesn't get the same level of coverage? And I thought, well, lacrosse. Calgary has a professional cross team. It doesn't get a lot of coverage. So what if I created a podcast and I created something called Roughnecks Radio where we had the, t- the players come on the show after right after a game, sit down with us, kind of a very casual conversation. It got me around the team. It got the team knowing me. And then when they needed someone to call the play-by-play, they basically said, well, what about that guy? And, and that's how it happened, which was really my strategy. My thought was, if I can prove myself to be an expert, then maybe an opportunity will come down the road. And, and it did. But yeah, it actually, it actually started with, with a podcast. Very cool. So you, you wanted the job, had no idea how to get the in. And so you, you got in through the podcast. That's, yeah. that's uh, very good. Very good strategy. No wonder you're the chief product officer at Getty Images. <laughs> All right. So let's talk a little bit about Getty Images. What is, look, it sounds like you're in charge of everything. So what exactly, besides what I said, is your role there and, and how does it all fit together? You know, I, I think 
sometimes when we talk about the things we do and the roles we have, it's it's challenging because we describe them as you did at the top of the show, which was which was very you know nice to hear. The, the reality is is that most of this happens on the backs of a lot of people and a lot of collaboration. And and in many ways, I think our jobs as leaders is to provide cross-functional teams with the information, the focus, the context, so that they understand the most important problems to solve and the best ways to do that, ultimately in service of our customers. So, you know, the historic sort of approach to product was you would hear product described as the product visionary or the mini CEO as a way that product management was described at some point. You know, I I think of it more of a a far more collaborative discipline where really it's about bringing people together to, to, again, identify problems and solve those problems for your customers. So you've been at Getty Images for a while, I believe over a decade, and some of that time you worked under the iStock group. Can you tell us a little bit of the difference between Getty Images and iStock? Sure. And, and that's an important distinction. So GettyImages.com and, and iStock Photo or iStock.com are our two core websites and brands. iStock is really our website that delivers customers compelling content with flexible plans and pricing so that they can consume that content, photos, illustrations, videos at a price that works for them. So that's where the vast majority of our customers license content from us on iStock. And we've got a la carte pricing, we've got subscription plans, but it gives them the flexibility to get, again, compelling premium content at the price that works for them. Gettyimages.com is is where we've got, number one, our, our editorial content that people will often see that when you see a Getty Images image that's news, sports, entertainment, you know, that is all material that's licensed through gettyimages.com. Plus, we also have our creative material up there, and that's where our enterprise-level customers, that's where they will uh, work with that platform for their needs. So it's for the the more sophisticated customers, often large teams, you know, enterprise-level solutions. But but iStock is is really where the bulk of our customers license, license photos from us. So, so would that mean enterprise customers would be newspapers and magazines and things like that? Yeah, big corporations though too. You know, all sorts of you know across all sorts of industries, and you also have big big creative agencies. Yeah. You know that that are that are consuming and licensing content for their customers, their end customers. So it it cuts across all segments and it cuts across all industries. I see every once in a while. I don't go on to a lot of the sports sites besides ESPN, but I do run into the top 10 Getty images in sports this week or things like that. Does that come directly out of your your company or is that something that these publications are making up these these websites that aren't affiliated with you put together to it, it, it could be both i mean certainly we put out there you know you know you can find on our websites and through various other forms you know the top images from from us you know across you know either news coverage or, or sports coverage or what's happening in the entertainment world but certainly we have we have you know people that that use our content license our content to be able to put that out there as part of their platform so it it really is it really is across both i mean getty images has really a history of deep relationships with uh, the sports leagues and entertainment organizations and so on and so forth and we have the access to get the coverage of those images from all perspectives so that's why people come to us is is it's the access and it's the ability for them to get the iconic image that that tells the story the you know classic example is the Usain Bolt image from a few years ago when he he won the uh, 100 meter dash and turned to the camera 
and smiled in the moment. That was a Getty Images photo. And that was the photo that became the photo of not just that event, but of those Olympics. That's, that's what we do. It's that level of craft and quality access combined with the talent of our photographers to get the photo for the story. So tell me about that, that, that access part and, and how your business works. My understanding of, of a lot of stock photography businesses is that they allow freelancers, let's say, to upload their images and use the stock businesses to license and make money. But it sounds like Getty Images is more of, you have Getty Images photographers as part of the press. They get access to all the big sporting events. They're the best photographers. They get the best images. How does that work? How does that so work? it's some of this is the difference between the editorial side of the business and what we would call the creative side of the business. So by editorial, I really refer to news, sports, entertainment, images, documenting the stories of the day and that are used for our customers, from our customers for editorial purposes, not commercial purposes. In other words, it's newspapers, magazines, mm-hmm. CNN, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. On the creative side, that's where we do have more of a crowdsourced model, including through iStock, where we work with hundreds of thousands of artists, photographers, and videographers to source that creative material. And what's unique about us is we also work with exclusive artists who only supply their material to us. And we work with them at a very deep level. We help them by telling them, you know, what they should shoot, what are the trending topics, provide them with those briefs. We can even help them plan their shoot. We provide them with guidance so that they're capturing the imagery and the video content that our customers need. And that supplies us with, with an amount of content that, that is at a higher level, that transcends sort of what you see with typical stock images and videos. It's at a, it's at a different level. And, and the reason, the benefit for that from the customer point of view is if you think about the, the landscape around us, Jeremy, is just so much visual noise. I mean, we're confronted by it everywhere, you know, not just in the physical world, but now in the digital world. So how are you going to cut through? How are you going to cut through that visual noise? And one of the ways you can cut through is by having the right compelling image. So, you know, t- take a typical example of when, when I say to you, you know, what's the, what's, the, what's the photo that you would think of when you think of business? Most of the time, most people think of the standard stock photo, photo is two people shaking hands. That's been the representation of business for, for in decades. Suits. In suits, right? That's what, it, that's what it looks like sort of in a typical way. Well, there's all sorts of ways that you can illustrate business concepts outside of that. And that's how you cut through is by using imagery that takes a different angle, a fresh angle, a different perspective, and, and use that to, to tell your story, to communicate your message, which is ultimately what our customers need to do. They need to use our imagery to help them tell their story. So before we get into how you, how you help your customers figure that out and how you help them understand the different kinds of content that business can be visually, tell, tell me a little bit more about where Getty Images and iStock sit in the industry compared to, let's say, Adobe stock and Shutterstock, especially in the sort of the creative side. Well, I, I mean, I think those are you've hit on two of the the definite other choices that are out there. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna try not to compare us to them and talk a lot about what what they offer, but but rather just express what it is about for us and and really what it is is we're we are a content organization. We are a content company. It is all about the content for us, sourcing the right content, making that easy to find, making it easy to use, make it easy for our customers to license it from us. So that's what we do. Is we are a content company that uses technology 
to bring that content, to acquire that content, to source that content, and then to get it in the hands of our customers as easily as possible. For us, it's all about that. And, and the reason why our customers come to us instead of some of the other choices is because of the quality of that content. And you say, well, quality is a big word. What do I mean by quality? It's similar to what I was saying before. It's being able to show them different ways of telling their story or illustrate a concept. It's having depth and breadth. So we can take a subject, a very broad subject like business, but give you a myriad of ways of, of illustrating that. Or we can take a very narrow subject and still have relevant images and videos against those subject areas. So that's what we do. It is all centered on the content advantage. Okay, so let's talk about that then. How I'm a customer, I want a business. I want to find the right photo for representing business on a, a brochure, on a website or whatever. How, like we, like we said, there's a broad definition of that there could be a million uh, images that you have when I type in business as a search. How do you help customers find exactly the right photo for them? How, what kind of yeah. technology and tools have you developed? To I'm sure you have a billion, literally a billion pieces of content for people to look through. You know, and that's the challenge, right? Is we probably have the right image, but you're not going to pour through right. 10 million choices. You're going to, you need, need to find it with some efficiency. And, and I think to me, this has always been one of the most fascinating parts of the business because most people start, they know they need an image. They probably have in their head some picture of what that image looks like. And they have to take that picture and translate it into a series of words that describe it. And then we have to take those series of words and translate it back to a picture. So it starts with a picture, it ends with the picture, but there's a lot that can go wrong in between. Now, some of the emerging technology actually allows you to upload a photo and and we can return images in our search that, you know, show you images that look like the image you uploaded. So it's starting to blur the lines a little bit. But really what we do is we leverage our data. So we know, you know, if you come to our website and search for business, we know which images in our extensive library other people who have searched for business like and engage with and license and download. So we're able to leverage our tremendous amount of data so that we've got confidence of what we show you on page one, page two, and page three. So we're showing you the things that we feel confident are most relevant and compelling to what you searched for. Now then, so that's sort of the, that's the base. Now you've got all sorts of other ways that you put control in the hands of customers. You give them the ability to sort. So do they want to see a sequence of images sorted by relevance or by popularity? Or do you want to see the newest? Do you want to see the latest stuff that's come in? Similarly, you've got the ability to filter where you can, well, I only want to look at images that are from the last year, or I only want to look at images that have two people in the image, but not three people. Or I want to only look at images that have a certain color palette to them. These are all the controls that are being made available to customers so that you can narrow in on exactly the right image. And I think that that is what's exciting is it's it's about a starting point, but then giving the user the ability to get really narrow really fast. But I think what's also interesting is then how do we show you what we think is right for what you told us you want, but how do we maybe show you something a little bit different? Where can we show you pivot points or alternative suggestions where you say, well, you looked at, you you want to look at business images. Well, what if instead of business, we suggested a related term like teamwork or success or achievement? And, and we can show you other ways to maybe tell your story. And I, and I think that's the interesting thing is that a lot of a lot of people start their searches with very expected search terms or subject-based search terms. So, you know, we said it, business, 
family, cat, car, beach, things, people, things, that type of stuff. What's really interesting is when you start to expand that, and if I have advice for people out there who are trying to find the right image, start to experiment with conceptual terms, emotional terms. So instead of searching for people and things, what's the, what's the emotion you're trying to convey or what's the concept of the essence of your communication? Is it success or is it failure? Is it happiness? Is it romance? Is it, is it friendship? Is it is it sadness? I mean, what's what's that emotion? Because then you get into some really interesting imagery that isn't just about what's in the image, but it's about the emotion that it conveys. Interesting. So, you know, one of the things you hit on was, okay, now now you want only two people in in the photo. Do you are people searching with a with a natural language search? So I could say a man and a woman under a tree by a lake or something like that? Or how, how does how does that work? You know, I, I think that's an emerging trend is the use of natural language within search is certainly coming along. And I, you know, that's, that's an area of, of innovation, I think, is how do you allow people to search in a more natural way? Because the more traditional way that 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 a lot of sites, e-commerce sites, and, you know, certainly within our space function is more on the basis of just a series of words. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you know, you could have, you know, business, woman, office, computer, and it's just a series of keywords as opposed to a natural language search, which would be, I need an image of a woman working in her office on her computer on a Sunday afternoon, something like mm-hmm. that. So that's that's where it's heading. And that's certainly an area that that we're applying a lot of focus against. So we're, we're now eight months into COVID. How has, how has that affected or changed the way that Getty Images and iStocks customers are interacting with you. Have you seen a change? Is it just on volume, or is there is there a different way that people are are using you now? You know, I I think it hits a few areas. I mean, I think number one, you know, certainly on the outset of COVID, and to some degree even now, the traditional ways that people would get some of their imagery became less available. Very difficult to actually do a shoot and set up a, a photo shoot with a lot of people working in a confined space. That that. That was off the table and many places is still off the table for for everyone's safety. So stock photography became a natural potential substitute for that. I I think the more interesting angle on it, though, is and we saw that with video, too, by the way. I mean, video shoots became very difficult to execute. So we, we, we certainly saw our customers needing more video from us. But I think what's more interesting is that, you know, it, it really is COVID changed the world in a very short period of time. So there's subjects that prior to this year weren't really topics, you know, COVID itself, social distancing as a term, remote work concept that existed prior to this year, but not at the same scale. So you, you've got sort of these trending search terms that we can see really year over year have grown exponentially. But then you've got common themes and subjects that have been fairly consistent in terms of how they're represented. Always evolving, always changing, always advancing. But, you know, business has looked a certain way over the last decade or so. You know, it evolves, it changes, but more gradual and organically. Same with family, you know, same with education. What does education look like? Education looks like kids sitting in a classroom, being taught by a teacher, sitting in desks. Well, now all those things in a moment, you know, really in a week or less, changed. 
what business looks like in today's world is different than it did a year ago. What education looks like, what dating looks like, what family looks like, what at home life looks like, what a vacation looks like, what leisure looks like, how friendship, all these things changed in a moment. And, and what we need to do and what we have done is quickly worked with our photographers and videographers so that they're able to supply images and videos that show what is now the current depictions of these things. And, and to me, that's the most fascinating part because for our customers, they similarly needed to quickly update their communications. In the early parts of COVID, a lot of customers needed to say something to their customers about how they were going to work with them through the crisis. And they needed to use images that were relevant to that current world. And now it's just continued because even, even now, as you are putting out material and communications about one's business, it, it has to look like the current world. I, I sort of find it funny. I was watching television with my wife a few weeks ago, and we, we watched this ad where I'm not going to say who it was for because uh, it's not a criticism. It's just the reality. But it was, it was like a, an agent working with their customer, and they were sitting side by side on a couch. And they had to have this message on the bottom that said, this ad was shot before COVID. Because, because our reaction as people is when we see that, it's almost uncomfortable. It's like, well, they're sitting really close together. Right. Like they're not social distancing. The world has changed in such material ways. We need to make sure that we're keeping up with that because the images have to represent the real world around us. So how did data play a role in that? I, 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 can, I, can, I can sort of visualize the idea that, okay, all of a sudden, no sports know anything to take pictures of basically and you have this this amazing workforce of photographers out there you're seeing your searches change how does that supply and demand you know covid is sort of the extreme but how do you use data and the supply and demand to really meet the changing needs of your customers I mean, I think you've nailed it, right? Like it's, it, we rely a lot on our search data. So we, you know, we know what our customers are looking for on a daily basis and we can see emerging trends. We can see something popping, you know, something that's net new. We can see also, you know, not just what they're searching for, but what they're engaging with and what they're downloading. Is that changing? And again, typically it's more of a, a longer term trend, although every year there's, you know, there's buzzwords and net new concepts that take hold, you know, like uh, a few years ago, the whole concept of, of selfies, you know, that became a real big thing in the world and therefore had to be represented in stock photography. So there's stuff every year, but COVID definitely is a, a, a different moment in time. And so what we do is we, we have, we, we pay attention to that data. So then we're able to take that information and go to our contributor base and say, we need images of this and you know, crowdsource that against a very large and talented pool of artists that is able to quickly mobilize against that and, and get that content in the door for us. So it, it really is data driven and we've got a, a rich wealth of data. If anything, when something like COVID happens, which is a, a horrible thing, it's, it's in some ways easier to react to because it's such a it's such an alteration in terms of what you see. Like it, right. it, it pops, it pops as data, right? Whereas it's far more nuanced when you're trying to understand that long-term trend. What, what's changing not today versus tomorrow, but how is it changing throughout the course of 12 months, 18 months, 36 months? Right. And that, that's where we have experts that, that spend all their time understanding those macro and micro trends. 
Right. I, I mean, I think the the original example we talked about of business is a good example of a long-term trend, right? I'm sure that before all the business photos had to have people in suits and business clothing. Right. And you probably over time saw more and more people searching more for a relaxed or business casual type environment with an open office plan and all these other things. You know? Well, authenticity has been sort of a big emerging trend within imagery and photography for, I would say, a decade or longer. You know, when, when stock photography first came along, it was extremely polished, extremely composed. Mm. Whereas now what people want is real people doing real things in authentic ways and, and having authentic emotions. They don't want the model staring at the camera with perfect hair and an unruffled shirt. They want it to be real and authentic. And, and so that's an example of a really long-term trend. But definitions of authenticity, that changes all the time too. The world is an ever-changing thing. Therefore, the images that are documenting that world need to be ever-changing as well. Right. So they want people eating with their mouth open now and things like that. <laughs> Sometimes, yes, exactly. <laughs> very, very interesting. So as we as we finish up our time here, what's what's the next big thing for getting images in iStock? What, uh, what's 2021 going to look like for, for you? You know, the, the, the thing we always apply is, you know, and it, and it, it oversimplifies it, but you know, folks that know me know that I like to oversimplify things is to me, it's all about sort of making it easy. So again, it's making it easy to find the right image, making it easy to, to get the right image, making it easy to use the image. That to me is, is the magic. I think what's interesting is now increasingly that's also good. That is more about video. In many ways, imagery is easier to work with than video. So how do we make video just as easy across those things I talked about as it is for images? I think that's certainly an emerging trend, but that that's the lens we take. We, we look at it from the customer point of view. What are they struggling with? What are those barriers? Where can we make it easier? And we construct our product roadmaps around around those insights. Well, thank you very much, Grant. This has been really interesting. I love digging into businesses like Getty Images, especially when you have so much content and you need to deliver it very quickly to your customers. It's been really interesting speaking with you. Thank you so much. And thanks to everybody for listening in on another edition of Hidden Layers. Thank you. I'm Jeremy Fain. This was Grant Farhall from Getty Images. And please tune in next time. Thanks, everybody.